Hello everyone, my name is James Nibon and welcome to this Florence School of Regulation interview with Johanna Schieler, Policy Officer at DG Klima of the European Commission. Johanna is one of the great minds behind the much-anticipated European Hydrogen Bank, and uh, Johanna is, of course, much better placed than me to talk about the details of the mechanism. But essentially, this is an auction to support the most competitive clean hydrogen production projects within the EU. The budget for the first round is 800 million euros. The auction is now open as of a few days ago, and bids can be submitted until the 8th of February next year. A deadline that shouldn't slip my mind, as it's also my dad's birthday. <laughs> Good afternoon, Johanna, and thank you so much for taking the time to, to join me today. I'm sure you're really rather busy at the moment. Uh, would this be a fair characterization of the bank? And are there any other fundamental aspects you would add to that description before we go into the details? Yes, thanks, James. Uh, pleasure to have a conversation with you about this topic. I mean, this has really been a, a project super close to my heart for the last year and a half. Uh, we're really proud with the team of what we have achieved within a little bit more than a year. Nothing major to add on the bank other than that it's not a bank. I think everyone knows that by now. Uh, the European Hydrogen Bank is a set of financing instruments, hopefully in the future also one for incentivizing imports into the EU. But today we're going to talk about the domestic part of the Hydrogen Bank. So basically this mechanism that has just launched on supporting renewable hydrogen projects within the EU through an auction. Super, thank you so much. Now, I'm I'm curious about the, the timeline. You mentioned that this past year preparation, it's been quite intensive, right? And I understand that you intend to give notification already on the, the outcome of the projects by April 2024 for the first round. So that's just two months after the auction closes and then sign the grants roughly seven months after that. So by comparison to some of the other funding mechanisms in the ecosystem, this is pretty quick and ambitious. So how important was speed as a condition when designing and planning this project? Yeah, I take that as a challenge and a compliment at the same time. So speed yeah. was really important. I think there's two aspects to speed. Uh, the first is how long did it take to actually get this first auction going? And then the other one is how long will it take us to evaluate, etc. And I think in terms of how long did it take from the announcement of the hydrogen bank till now, what we noticed super early on in the first stakeholder consultations already is that project developers, utilities, et cetera, they were really mindful to mention that they don't need a perfect instrument that will take two or three or four years to perfect and design and then only get going in 2024, 2025. But that what we need right now is a bit of a pilot, which is why this is a pilot auction and which is why we went for a simple, easy and speedily to implement auction design. We went for a fixed premium and not a contract for difference in the end. But that doesn't mean that over time we can't adjust. So the way we have designed this is that this is a pilot. We will take lessons learned. We launched it quickly. But with every round and with every iteration, we're going to improve this instrument. And then the second point that you mentioned is how long does the evaluation take? Yes, it's indeed quite short. I think the reason why we can have the bidding period as short as only two months is because we published the terms and conditions for the auction well in advance. So we consulted stakeholders all along the way. And in August this year, we published the economic TNCs of the auction, which basically tell bidders anything they need to know in order to formulate their bid. So yes, the auction launched last week, but the fundamentals, project developers already knew in summer. So we hope that that gave them enough time to prepare. 
No, indeed. I, I was also, yeah, part of this sort of stakeholder consultation, been following the process. And indeed, it's true. It's really, I guess you're expecting, let's say, a high quality, well-finished uh, set of bids to evaluate, right? So hopefully some of the work in that sense would have been done up front. I mean, you mentioned it's a it's pilot auction fundamentally. So besides potentially increasing the budget in the second round of auctions to be held in spring next year, one of the other ways it seems you're looking to deliver scale is through the auctions as a service model. So i.e. making the mechanism available for use by individual member states who contribute their own budget. Could you reflect a little bit on this idea and what level of interest you expect it to generate? Yeah, of course. Maybe one comment still on the question before. So another point that that allows us to go that quick with the evaluation is the completion guarantee. And that's something that we're using for the first time as well. For those who don't know what a completion guarantee is, it's basically like a deposit that you have to lay down in order to enter the auction. It's not a cash deposit. Like when you rent a flat, you can uh, provide a bank guarantee or a guarantee from a mother company. And that allows us to shift some of the burden of the due diligence of the uh, project assessment onto this financial incentive of the guarantee. Because if projects don't manage to achieve entry into operation within five years, then we're going to retain the guarantee and terminate them. So this really takes a lot of pressure off the DD on our side. And we hope that it's also appreciated by projects because it reduces the administrative burden for them as well. Now on to auctions as a service, which is actually one of my favorite topics to talk about. It's not happened yet this year, um, but the commission is offering the auction design, the contracts, the process, etc., to member states to allocate national funds through our auction instrument. And there's several reasons we want to do that. I think the most important reason is that uh, the past has really shown that a well-functioning single market is one of the EU's biggest strengths and we can have a bigger impact if we join forces. The Innovation Fund budget is relatively small. We have 800 million euros for this first pilot auction. And yes, future auction rounds can increase in budget if the competitive situation is good. But this money is still nothing compared to the investment challenge. And the Innovation Fund remains the Innovation Fund. We're not the hydrogen fund. So we can't just pour all our money out at hydrogen. So what Auctions as a Service does is it really offers this new auction to member states to use additional national funds like recovery and resilience funds or modernization fund money and challenge it through this auction design if member states have national hydrogen strategies, which is actually the case for many countries in the EU. What do we offer them in return of asking for additional money? We offer them very fast state aid clearance. So this auction was designed in line with the DG competition rules, the SEAC rules. These are the state aid rules for allocating funds for energy and climate purposes. And that means that as long as member states don't change anything about the auction design, we can grant them very quick state aid clearance up to a month, even as quick as that. So that's much faster than the usual state aid process. It should be an off-the-shelf solution, so it should really be an auction design that's taken on as it is by the member states. And the advantage for project developers and the private sector is that we avoid a fragmentation of the funding landscape. So what we want to avoid is that 27 different member states develop 27 national support schemes. A project developer that's active in Spain and Portugal and Denmark has to understand three different pieces of legislation, of contracts, etc. So there's really a big argument for streamlining the funding landscape, and we hope that there will be interest for that next year. Now, we are talking actively with several member states, and I think next year we're going to have at least several contributions to options as a service. 
Oh, that's super interesting. I think this point about, you know, simplicity and trying to ensure that the, the landscape doesn't fracture more than it needs to is, is really interesting. And it, it goes to show that although people are tend to be tempted to fixate on the numbers and the total volumes and these kind of things, actually, there's a sort of wider thought process going on here about alignment. And this is one of the mechanisms to do it, right? So I think hopefully, you know, people, our listeners will be interested to hear from you on this about the, the thought process and the philosophy behind it, not just as a, to see it as a run of auctions, uh, but also as a service and a wider philosophy for how financing gets done um, on this subject. Uh, you mentioned state aid. Oh, yeah, go, go ahead, Johanna, you want to say something? Yeah, maybe to elaborate a bit on that. I think it's quite a nice middle ground between a pure European solidarity option where you pull money from national funding pots and then you spend it through a European instrument. So that means that German money could be used to fund Spanish projects. I think that type of solidarity instrument is something where there's always a lot of political tension. We've seen it in the ETS directive negotiations where the commission proposed to enlarge the innovation fund as a European instrument, but member states prefer to keep more money in national funding pots. And this is not what auctions and service does because you still have Polish money for Polish projects, Spanish money for Spanish projects, but the rules through which you allocate that money, they're unified. So it's a bit of a middle ground between everyone does their own thing and we have a pure European solidarity option. It's a compromise in the middle. Yeah, no, that's, that's super interesting. I mean, on this subject of funding landscape, these uh, these different options, the nuances and the intricacies between member state-specific funding and the, the innovation fund, I wanted to ask, you know, amongst these other financing mechanisms for clean hydrogen, of which there are many, uh, state aid has been one of the biggest contributors so far in terms of total funding flows, right? But typically concentrated in a in a handful of member states. So could you reflect a bit on the decision to exclude the possibility for projects to combine hydrogen bank financing uh, with state aid financing? And does it play a bit into this logic, as you said, about the, you know a general funding philosophy that you're going for? Yeah, this is uh, probably one of the most difficult topics that we discussed during stakeholder consultations and uh, whilst developing the auction design. So yes, there is a lot of state aid and other public funding out there already. And there are some projects who have received state aid in the past, but they've still not managed to reach FID because the funding, the, the interest rate landscape has changed, the cost structure, supply chain issues, et cetera, things have changed. We do acknowledge that. And for those projects, we don't, we obviously don't want them to fail. So there are still instruments available for projects that are very mature. They've already received state aid. They can still apply to the innovation fund regular grants. They can try to get a top up to the funding uh, through national resources, like through the RF or the modernization fund money. But with the auction, we really want a fresh start. We want a level playing field between all projects that bid. And we want these bids to reflect a competition on the best project conditions and not the best state aid conditions that projects can achieve. Because if you think it through, if a project that has already received a lot of state aid is competing against a project that has received no public funding yet, of course, it will be able to put in a lower bid. And not only is that unfair to projects that come from member states with less national resource available, it also defeats one of the key objectives of the auction, which is price discovery. What we want is that the price points, the supply curve, if you want, that comes out of the auction and that we will publish 
really represents the whole funding gap between revenues and LCOH. And once we start blurring in state aid in there, we don't have this price discovery anymore. So that was another reason for, for doing it next to creating a level playing field. Yeah, and I have to say, as somebody who's doing research in this space, I'm incredibly interested to see what the, the outcomes will be, as, as are many people I know, because as you say, it really gives, with the visibility and the transparency that's being offered through this mechanism uh, in particular, it really gives the chance to sort of uh, put to bed a lot of these, um, you know, rather forlorn discussions about the price gap and, you know, all of these kind of issues about bankability and the, the true cost of these products and all of these kind of aspects. So, yeah, I really admire that kind of philosophy. I think it takes somewhat bravery as well in order to uh, to look past that, because I understand there's also a lot of a lot of pressure for those projects. As you say, people who have already uh, made a commitment to try and make, be first movers in that space. But yeah, hopefully in the in the fullness of time, it will it will prove to be the, the right approach. Huh? Um, sort of more broadly speaking, my perception is that the hydrogen bank as a as a tool has really captured the imagination of, of practitioners practitioners in the sector, at least more so than many of the other financing vehicles that we see. Like it's one of the most often uh, referenced mechanisms when when we look at comparisons and case suddenly. Um, have you been at all surprised by the amount of attention it's received? And do you have some impression of, of why? Uh, is it something to do with this, the scale of the stakeholder engagement or the, the endorsements, the, the concreteness, the specificity? What is your impression here? What, what's your instinct? Yes, we've been a little bit surprised. I think uh, we got a lot of attention with this instrument, which is great, especially the industry engagement in designing this and giving us feedback. We received so much feedback and we're actually really thankful for people at project develop developers thinking this through, telling us what can work in practice, what cannot work in practice. So it's a lot of work, but it's also great to receive that level of input. I think my best guess is that auctions were really a success story in the renewable sector. They brought costs down a lot. Um, they, they were a proper price discovery instrument for how cheap renewables can get. And I guess many market participants hope that the same can happen for hydrogen. So it's a bit, it's a bit of a hope and a promise that uh, an instrument can lead to that. I'm really curious what comes out of the first round. Um, Hydrogen is different from renewables. Renewables are zero variable costs. So it's really all about technology learning and getting the capex, getting down the capex technology price curve. Whereas for hydrogen projects, actually 60 to 70% of the LCOH comes from OPEX costs. It comes from the power costs that goes into the production. So maybe the cost decline curve looks a little bit different here. Um, we're super curious to see that. And I think maybe that curiosity is a second reason uh, why the auction has gathered so much interest. It's a market-based instrument, and that means what comes out of it are actually vetted price points. It's price points that hinge on this completion guarantee. They hinge on projects really thinking that they can reach FID and start entry into operation within quite a limited time frame. So it's a bit of a litmus test of where we actually are with this market, and if we have a chance uh, to move to mass rollout for hydrogen projects rather than individual R&D and CapEx fundings here and there. Yes, indeed. That's uh, super interesting, Johanna. Thank you for thank you for those reflections. I wish we had more time and hopefully we'll be able to get you back for a second interview, a more wide reaching one covering some of your, your work history and your experience working on, on this project in particular. But yeah, I can just say thank you very much for joining us today. We really appreciate it.
Thanks a lot for having me, James. See you next time. My pleasure. And best of luck with the uh, with the auction. 